0: Welcome to the Gateway Church podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message.
1: It's good to see you this morning. I wanna welcome everybody at our Tempe campus. I wanna welcome those of you who are joining us online. If you've got a Bible, I want you to open up to Galatians chapter five. We're going to read a very important verse at the very beginning of this message in Galatians chapter five, but uh, I want you at both campuses uh, to grab your communion elements. We're actually going to take communion at the beginning of this message. So go ahead and, and once you turn to Galatians five, grab your communion elements, pull the bread out. Some of you may not have had breakfast. Don't eat that little bread yet. It's not going to fill you anyways. It's not designed to fill you. It's designed to remind you, okay? Just go ahead and grab the bread. Last week we talked about representing Jesus. And one of the things that communion reminds us of is that Jesus represented us on the cross. He took your place. And every time we take these elements, Jesus asked us to remember him. Well, one of the things we're to remember is that he represented us. He took my place. That night with his disciples, he said, He took the bread and he said, This bread represents my body, which is broken for you. I laid my life down. For you, Preston, in your place, I died the death you should have died. I, Jesus, represented you. I want you to just close your eyes for a minute and let's thank Jesus for this bread, but even more importantly, for his body, which he willingly allowed to be beaten and broken for you and for me. Jesus, thank you so much for taking my place. You represented me on the cross. It was your body and my body's place. That's the death I deserve to die. And yet, because of your love for us, you died for us. So Jesus, as we take this bread, we remember you and all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, let's take the bread. The same way, that night Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup represents my blood, which is shed for you. This blood covers every one of our sins. Not only did Jesus take my place, he dealt with my biggest problem. Sin isn't my biggest problem. The separation sin created between me and God was my biggest problem. And Jesus said, Hey, listen, I love my father. And Preston, I love you. And I can't stand to see the two of you separated forever. And so I'll shed my blood, every drop of it, so that we can be together forever. I want you just to close your eyes for a minute. Let's thank Jesus for the blood. Rather than think about every single sin you've ever committed, why don't you think about this blood that covers every one of those sins and thank Jesus for it. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for us. Your blood is one of the most extravagant things, if not the most extravagant things the earth has ever seen. You shed it for us to cover my sins so that I could spend forever with you in the presence of my Father. Jesus, as we take this cup, we remember you did this for us. Let's take the cup. I can just set that down on the ground, both campuses, then after service is over, you can remember to grab it and throw it in the trash on your way out. I want to remind you, you know, when we take communion, it's very Jesus-focused. And last week, we talked about representing Jesus. This week, what we're really talking about is representing the Holy Spirit. And the title of this message is, remember, we've been in this series on a mandate from heaven. We're talking about the biggest priorities God has given his church. First two weeks, we talked about housing God's presence. Last week, we talked about representing Jesus. This week, we're really talking about representing the Holy Spirit. And the title of the the message is, here's the mandate, be a people of the Spirit. Be a people of the Spirit. Now, I know some of you, when you just hear the name Holy Spirit, you, you flinch. As we were singing in worship here at the Scottsdale campus and we were singing about the Holy Spirit, I am fully aware that there are always flinchers in the room. And here's what I'd ask. I'd ask that you put that aside. Whatever your history in regards to the Holy Spirit has been, if it's been negative, you put it aside. Here's why. And here's why we just took communion at the beginning of this message. Because in John 16, Jesus says, hey, it's actually good for you that I go. Because if I don't go, the advocate, the the word there in the Greek is parakletos, the helper won't come. Think about this. As much as you love Jesus, and every time you take communion, you're reminded how much you love Jesus because of what Jesus did for you. That same person said, I'm going away for a while, and it's good that I go. Because if I don't go, then the helper, the Holy Spirit won't come. Now, if you're someone who thinks the Holy Spirit is weird, I wanna shatter that bad theology, because that's what it is. If you believe the Holy Spirit is weird, that's just straight up bad theology. And I can prove it to you in one verse. But let me just remind you, most likely, why you think the Holy Spirit is weird is because you saw someone be weird in the name of the Holy Spirit. So let me just remind you, the Holy Spirit isn't weird, they are. Okay, So don't give me all that stuff, and I can prove it to you. Remember, I, 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 I kind of tricked you a little bit by having communion at the beginning of this message. All right? Luke chapter four, verse one. What does scripture say when Jesus leaves the wilderness? Remember, it was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. What does Luke chapter four verse one tell us when Jesus leaves the wilderness? That Jesus left full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, if your theology is such that the Holy Spirit is weird to you, then you better be ready to make Jesus weird too. I'm not trying to attack you. I'm trying to be really really sensitive But what I want to give you in this message is basically a checklist. You were created to be a man or woman of the Spirit, and here's how you know. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and Jesus came out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, okay? If that was a bad thing or a weird thing, Jesus wouldn't be doing it. Here's what it is. It's a necessary thing. In the same way we're called to represent Jesus as the church, we are also called to be a people of the Spirit. Galatians chapter five, verse 25. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Okay, if the Holy Spirit were dangerous and unable to be trusted, would God go on record saying, hey, follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every area of your life, Preston. Does that even make sense theologically? Yet we've made him out to be this weirdo who can't be trusted. Listen, I've said this before. If I were your enemy, if I were the devil, I'd do exactly what he's done. Before salvation, I'd try and keep you from Jesus. After salvation, I try and keep you from the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 is very important for every follower of Jesus Christ. If Jesus was filled with the Spirit, then every one of his followers needs to be too. So, the points, if you were here last weekend, the points for this weekend's message are exactly the same as last weekend's message. Because last weekend was represent Jesus, this is technically represent the Holy Spirit, but all the subpoints are different. So, point number one, If you're going to be a man or woman of the Spirit, you're gonna have to be known for His words. You're gonna have to be known for the Holy Spirit's words. Now, let me give you one thing that you need to see in your everyday or weekly life. You need to see it consistently if you're going to know that you're known for the Holy Spirit's words. Here it is, supernatural timing. From time to time, if you're gonna be known for the Holy Spirit's words, then some of the words that come out of your mouth need to be supernaturally timed. One of the best things about the Holy Spirit is his knack for knowing exactly what to say at exactly the right time. Now, here's the challenge that comes with that. Because you might be thinking, well, I I don't really feel like the Holy Spirit gives me the words to speak ever. Okay, let me sweetly submit this to you. It is possible that the reason you don't feel the Holy Spirit gives you the exact right words at exactly the right time is quite possibly because you think you always know the right thing to say all of the time. I've been guilty of that. Let me me give it to you in question form. How often do you ask the Holy Spirit what to say? When you're sitting in a meeting, at work, how often do you say, Holy Spirit, what should I say right now? When you're in a conversation, a challenging conversation with your spouse, some might call it a fight, how often do you step back and say, Holy Spirit, what should I say right now? Now, if you're anything like me, I have no problem at work asking the Holy Spirit what to say, but in a fight, I don't want to hear what he wants to say. Because I just want to say what I want to say. You know what I'm saying? I know you're more godly than I am. I'm the only person who feels that way. When you're in a tough conversation with one of your kids, how much of the time do you step back and say, Holy Spirit, what should I say right now? I didn't create this, child. You did. You know everything about him. What should I say right now? Now, there are two arenas where supernatural timing comes into play. In other words, there are two arenas in your life where the Holy Spirit wants to give you exactly the right words at exactly the right time. Here's the first arena, the public arena. The public arena, Mark chapter 13, verse 11. Jesus says, but when they arrest you and deliver you up, he's speaking to his disciples, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. This is really important. Jesus says, you're you're gonna be arrested, boys, Don't think ahead of time, Peter, about what you are to say. Don't premeditate. Look at what he says next. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. I remember one time I was uh, participating in a prophetic presbytery and I was on the stage, I was looking out at the crowd of people and I felt really clearly the Holy Spirit give me a picture for a couple in the room and they were sitting in the back right. And I got this picture of uh, of a massive piece of farmland. And then I got this picture next to the farmland of this attorney with stacks of papers. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I was the one who gave that land to this family many years ago, I will be the one to make sure it stays in this family for many years to come. Preston, I need you to communicate that. I need you to say that to that couple. Well, that's a pretty specific word, right? Like that's either literal or figurative, but it sounds pretty literal to me. Well, my heart kind of races when you feel like the Holy Spirit gives you something really specific like that. So I went back and you know, in front of all these people, and, I, and they stood up, and I shared this picture. Was well, I start to share the picture of the farmland, they lose it. Well, I don't know them from Adam. And then I share the attorney, you know, in the picture, and then I share what the Holy Spirit said, and that's, I'm going to make sure it stays in this family, because I was the one that gave it to this family. They're sobbing. Well, after the service, they come up and talk to me. And the husband says, my parents just recently passed, and have passed on, our family farm to me and my siblings, but we cannot afford the tax. And literally this week, in two days, we were set to sit down with the attorney and sell the family farm. I mean, they're crying. Okay, listen, how in the world would I know that? Here's something you need to understand about me. I'm an idiot. I'm not kidding. I'm an idiot. How would I know that? And I'm not, but listen, this this can happen to any of us who are led by the Holy Spirit with our mouths. I was just doing what I was told at exactly the right time. And listen, here's what's awesome when the Holy Spirit speaks. It didn't just minister to them. I was sitting there going, oh, sweet mother of Jesus, that just happened. What In the world. I don't know a farm and a lawyer. What? Listen, I was just passing on what I heard the Holy Spirit say in public. But there's a second arena where the Holy Spirit wants to give you exactly the words to speak at exactly the right time. Can you guess what that arena is? In private. In private. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone into prayer, and not known what to pray. Just put your hand up. Both cams, put it up high. Okay, hold it up, let's look around. Anyone who doesn't have their hand up, let's after the service get their phone number, okay? So that the next time we don't know what to pray, we can just call them and go, hey, Holmes, I don't know what to say right now. This is a tough season, please give me the words to pray. Okay, you know I'm kind of just being silly. There are plenty of moments. Listen, I have never, Senior pastor to church before in my life. And it's only been eight years. Furthermore, I've never pastored a church through a pandemic. Do you think every time I go in to pray, I know exactly what to pray? That's how I feel. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. Like, what does one do? I don't know anyone who's ever pastored a church through a pandemic before. So when I go in to pray, what do I pray? Well, let me show you. Romans chapter eight, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Here's one of my favorite things about the Holy Spirit. There have been so many times in my life where I've gone in to pray and had no idea what to pray. And here's what I sense. I sense the Holy Spirit go, I got you. Preston, I've got you. I know exactly what to pray. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's needed. Let me pray through you. I just need you to yield your mind and your tongue to me. Let me pray through you. Now listen, I know some of you, your heart might be racing a little bit. And if you've been at this church for a little while and, and, you know, when you talk about this church and you talk about me and you go, man, I just love this place. I love Preston. Listen, I didn't just start believing this last week. I've believed this for 35 of the 42 years of my existence on this earth. Let me go even further. This church wouldn't be what it is without the prayers of the Holy Spirit. I'd have quit a long time ago. Please hear my heart. We live in serious times. And you may think you're awesome. But his thoughts are much higher than yours. And there are times your words aren't going to do his prayers any justice. So what do we do? Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. In unity with the Holy Spirit, my spirit is praying. But I don't understand what I'm saying. Well then, what shall I do? In other words, just because I don't understand what I'm praying, should I not do it? Listen to what Paul says, because I guarantee you, we can all agree on Paul. You and I might not agree in the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit, but I promise we agree on Paul. And what does Paul say? What then shall I do? I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in words I understand. It's both. It's both. One of my favorite things about my best friend, the Holy Spirit, is that he loves to give you exactly the right words at exactly the right time, sometimes in public, sometimes in private. And my personal opinion is the closer we get, to the return of Jesus when he comes back for his bride, the more important words directly from heaven will play on this earth in public and in private. Here's the second thing. If you're going to be a man or woman of the Spirit, you have to be known for his ways, the ways of the Holy Spirit, two things that have to be present in your everyday life. Remember, this serves as a checklist a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly checklist for us to make sure we're walking by the Spirit in the same way that Jesus did. Here's the first first thing that needs to be present in your everyday life if you're gonna be known for the ways of the Holy Spirit. You walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus says, but you will receive power. That's really good news. You will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay, this is important, not just for the disciples of Jesus' day, but the disciples of our day. Every follower of Jesus Christ, this is important. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I want to be very careful when I say what I'm about to say. One of my concerns about hammering rapture theology in this day and time And you and I might disagree on that theologically, and it's okay. But one of my concerns about hammering rapture theology right now is it's making a statement that in this family, we don't do hard things. We beg God to release us from hard things. Now in my family, one of our family values is, we do hard things. We've raised our children and are still raising our children to do hard things. Here's what that means. They don't run from hard. They run right at it. Why? Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in them. And I will not, as their daddy, teach them to run from hard. Listen. The closer we get to his return, the harder things they're going to get. I just want you to think about this. If the church is the bride of Christ and we're all begging God to remove us before it all gets bad, let's compare that to a wedding vow. Since the church is the bride and he's the bridegroom, let's compare that. Here's what that would sound like as a vow in a wedding. I, Preston, take you, Jesus, to be my eternally wedded bridegroom. Unless I get sick, and unless things get hard. Listen, we say to our spouses, till death do us part, then why as the bride of Christ would we say to him? But if things get hard, I want out of here. Listen, I'm just gonna submit this to you. Whether you believe in the rapture, if if you're pre-trib mid or post, let me just tell you something. If my heavenly father wants me to be around at one of the most scary times of human history so that I can be a part of leading more people to Christ than any other point of history, I just want you to know, while my flesh would love to be absent from this body and present with him, I'll stay if that's what he wants, I wanna stay. I want heaven to be populated and hell to be plundered. Listen, if the family of God is a family that does hard things, well, we need not to rely on the flesh, but on the spirit. Luke chapter 24, verse 29. Jesus says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes. And fills you with power from heaven. Jesus said, "Don't leave without that power." Did you know that one of the worst advertisements for the kingdom of God is a weak believer? I just to think about that for a sec. If the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, one of the worst advertisements I could ever make for that power is to be weak. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this one-liner down because this one kind of rattled my bell this week. If you can do what you're doing without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's simply because you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. That's one of those scary one-liners where if you can live every day of your life without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's simply because what you're doing throughout your day doesn't involve being led by the Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing. If you're gonna be known for the ways of the Holy Spirit, second thing that has to be present in your everyday life, you will share the number one habit of the Holy Spirit you will share the number one habit of the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a sec. What do you think is the number one habit of the Holy Spirit? Jesus told us. He made it obvious. He said, hey, when the advocate, the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, the Paracletos, he's going to tell you everything I told you. He's going to remind you of all of those things. Okay, did you know the Holy Spirit's favorite subject is the Father and the Son. He loves to talk about them. Now, we have a word for that in Christian culture. It's the word evangelism. But simply put, it's just talking about them. And this is what the Holy Spirit loves to do with you. Let me show it to you. Back in Acts 1-8, the second half of this verse, Jesus says, remember, power will come upon you when the Holy Spirit comes. Then he tells us why we need that power, and you will be my witnesses. The reason you need this power, Preston, is because you will be my witness. You need this power to talk about me the way I need to be talked about. You will receive that power, and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I remember one time in a service, um, this room used to be the other direction, back in the back, it sat about 300 people, and I was preaching. One of the things you need to know about preachers is we can be talking to you and at the very same time have a completely different conversation with the Lord, okay? It's just, you might call it schizophrenic, I just call it a Sunday, okay? And I remember, preaching this message, and in the middle of the message, I felt the Holy Spirit point somebody out. I think they were in the second row to my left, and it was a young man, probably in his early 20s, and he, he not to be uh, judgy in any way, but he definitely looked like this was not something he typically did. He, he just kind of had that vibe. It wasn't based on the way he dressed, just his body posture, all this stuff, and I felt the Holy Spirit at the Towards the beginning of the message say, Preston, after the message is over, I want you to go talk to him about Jesus. Okay, great, got it. A minute or two later, hey Preston, I'm dead serious. After the message is over, I want you to go talk to that guy about Jesus. I was like, I got it, I heard you the first time. A minute or two later, Preston, 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 Preston. Seriously. After the message is over, track him down. He's going to try and bolt. Today is his day. Don't let him leave. I've been softening his heart. And today is the day for it to receive the seed of the gospel. I mean, I'm preaching. And it just keeps getting stronger and stronger. Dare I say, annoying i like, I got it. If you don't know this about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a sweetly incessant badger as it relates to the gospel. Press him, press him, press him, go tell him. After the service, walked right up to him, walked off the stage, went right to him. Because I've had this happen before, and sometimes people bolt. Y'all bolt out of here so fast sometimes. <laughs> it's like a superpower. And so I knew. I mean, when the Holy Spirit's doing that kind of thing, I went right after him went and sat right down next to him, talked to him about Jesus, shared Christ with him, accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And it's one of my favorite moments for me personally at our church. One of the reasons I had boldness to go talk to him is the Holy Spirit wouldn't stop badgering me. Listen, the more the Holy Spirit talks to you about Witnessing, talking about Jesus with someone, the more confidence you should have going up to them. Because it's just Holy Spirit's way of saying, hey, I've been doing a lot of groundwork, Preston. You just come in, I'm gonna use you to be the finisher. Now, you're not really doing anything, I'm just using your mouth. I've already done the work. Okay, listen, evangelism is the Holy Spirit's favorite hobby, favorite habit. And if you're gonna be known for the ways of the Holy Spirit, Talking about Jesus needs to become part of your everyday life. Let me say it another way. Why would you ever talk about politics or a politician more than you talk about a king and his kingdom? They don't wanna hear about all that. I don't mean this wrongly. Nobody cares what you think. But if you know the king, They need to hear from you. And the Holy Spirit loves to partner with you to lead people to Jesus. Here's the third thing. If you're gonna be known as a man or woman of the Spirit, you have to be known for his love. You have to be known for the love of the Holy Spirit. Two things that will be true of you in your everyday life if you're known for the love of the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, if you're there, look in verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. In other words, Preston can't, the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love. I love that that's the first one. Love. Love. Listen, if you have a hard time leading people to Jesus, let me remind you the number one thing that works better than anything else love love listen when your heart has been broken in the name of love like mine has you appreciate love more than most everybody else most of you know my story I I make jokes about it fairly regularly simply because I've gone through counseling and I my heart has been healed because of it and I have an amazing wife now but I thought I was gonna marry a girl first year of college I told the Lord, this is the girl I'm going to marry. Not only did she never break up with me, she got engaged while I thought we were still together. Got married before we even broke up. My heart was shattered. Listen, it's because I saw the ugly side of love that today I am so enamored by perfect love. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy. Know anybody that needs a little bit of that right now? Holy Spirit produces joy. Peace. Know anybody that's having trouble going to sleep right now? Holy Spirit produces peace in our lives. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle, gentleness, and self-control. This is what love looks like. It's not the way to say it. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit. This list right here to my wife describes the perfect husband but this I am not. Therefore, I need the Holy Spirit to help me produce this kind of fruit. I remember one day, uh, years ago, a long time ago, I don't sin anymore, just used back in the day. You know, <laughs> a long time ago. I remember there was one week, I was having a, a, a rough week and I remember Holly, my wife, saying to me several different things that the Holy Spirit used to ring my bell. The first one she said, she goes, she was listening to me talk to our our kids about something and she goes, babe, be gentle. That was way too strong. Be gentle. And then the next day I heard her say, babe, learn to be patient. You are so impatient behind the deli counter. Be patient. And a day or two later, I remember her saying, I'd I'd gotten upset about something. And she said, honey, have some self-control. Now, she didn't even realize what she was saying. And neither did I until I felt like the Holy Spirit, after that third time, said, Preston, do you realize your wife just pointed out to you that you were lacking, at the very least, one-third of my fruit? <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I do realize that's what she was saying. And very sweetly, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, would you like to know why you're not producing my fruit? I said, yeah. What, what's the why? It was because you're too distant from me. When you don't abide in me, and abide with me, you can't produce my fruit. Because you've kept me at a distance. And therefore I can't produce my fruit in your life. You need to bring me close again, if you want to produce this fruit. Listen, everyone in your life needs at least one or two pieces of this fruit produced through you. But you can't. Therefore, you need the Holy Spirit to produce it for you. Does that sound weird? Does it sound weird that the Holy Spirit would say to you and would just personalize it with me? Preston, you have issues. You have serious issues. Your kids and your wife They're going to bounce on you if you don't get some of this figured out. So let me help you. Let me produce my fruit through you. Preston, there are times where Riley needs gentleness from you. But you're such a head-down, strong-willed donkey of a man. But you need my help. If gentleness is going to come through you, Trust and believe. Preston, it's going to be because I produce it through you. Will you let me? Does that sound weird? No. No. Here's what you need to remember. The lost are watching those filled with the Holy Spirit to see what the Holy Spirit is like. And if you want to know what the Holy Spirit is like, Galatians 5 told us. Not one of you can tell me that's weird. Every one of you would tell me that's awesome. And here's the second thing. If you're going to be known for the love of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit active in your life. Most famous verse in all of the world is what? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. God made sure we understood that giving and loving are always hand in hand. See, some of us look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I don't have time, I've taught on this, done a series on this in the past, but some of us look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we think, that's weird. Listen, can I just give you a piece of advice? Just because we don't understand something doesn't give us the right to call it weird when it's in God's word. Are gifts weird? In a couple of weeks, we're gonna celebrate Christmas. Am I a weirdo because I have a bunch of gifts under my tree? I love this one-liner. If you're taking notes, write this one down. How did the one who shows up at every party bringing gifts become the one widely recognized as the weirdest one at the party? Can you just think about this for a sec? Think about it. If you threw a party every week on Friday night and invited the same people and one person came to your party every Friday night bringing three or four gifts, would you call them weird? Everyone else is coming to mooch off you. And this one person is coming with gifts that you've always wanted. Would you call them weird? Of course you wouldn't. Not only would you not call them weird, you'd start throwing more than one party a week (laughs) just so they'd come and bring more gifts. Okay, if I was your enemy, I would do exactly what the devil is doing. I would try and do everything I possibly could to keep you from being like God, loving so much that you give. And what do we give? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Okay, how can something be weird if it's given for the good of everyone? That doesn't even make sense. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing, giving to each one individually as he wills. How? Can anyone say that they are led by the Holy Spirit if they never give away a gift of the Holy Spirit? I was in a a counseling session a while back, years ago. And in the counseling session, this counselor uh, just started to to give me a word of knowledge. I mean, we were talking about something and I gave about a 10th of the details and the counselor said, "Can can I take a stab at your situation? And he goes on to say things that I had not talked about that were so specific in nature. It was a literal word of knowledge. He wouldn't have naturally known those things. And the same, thing that, same way that I, I wouldn't have known about the farm and the attorney without the Holy Spirit, there's no way this counselor could have known naturally what he was saying to me. It was so specific. and Of course, I mean, it, it hit home and it was very personal and, and I lost it. And after the session was over, I got in my truck and I was driving away and I felt the Holy Spirit say, Preston, how did you feel when that man gave you one of my gifts? That was a word of knowledge, Preston. How did that gift make you feel in that moment? And I said, it it, it made me feel incredible. I thought the Holy Spirit would say, but why? I said, because I felt seen by the God of the universe. And I felt loved. Here's what I felt like the Holy Spirit said in response. Preston, would would it be okay with you if I made a bunch of other people feel those very same things by giving my gifts through you to them? I said, of course. If that's how giving away one of your gifts makes people feel the way I just felt, I wanna spend the rest of my life giving away your gifts. Use me to show up at every party, in every room I ever walk into, and give away one of your gifts. Because I want people to feel seen by the God of the universe and loved obsessively in a way no one else will ever love them. And the Holy Spirit said, great. Then let me lead you. Jesus was a man full, of me, Preston. If you're gonna follow him, you're going to need to be a man full of me too. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. My prayer with this message that it will serve as a simple reminder of what our lives were meant to look like. We can't do this life the way God desires us to do it without his Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said in John 16, it's good for you that I go. Because if I go, the helper will come. I need help every day of my life and so do you i just want to take a few moments in the presence of god to just have some time with the spirit of god maybe you need to ask the holy spirit where have i shut you off where have i closed you out Maybe you need to say to the Holy Spirit, in this season of my life, use me more than ever before. Wisdom would say in this moment, after teaching on the Holy Spirit, that we give a few moments for the Spirit of God to do what needs to be done. Let's just take a few moments in His presence and let Him work heart
0: Fresh on us For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.